welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. And there's the cat. Right <laughs> on Flippo. Right on cue. Right on cue. <laughs> oh, it's not Very a podcast nice. without uh, errant yelling cats. That's nice. That's I fun. should get a yelling cat. You should get a yelling cat. I don't know how you like how how you uh, assess that the yelly the relative yelliness of the yeah, cat cuz i mean we i mean especially if you're getting a cat like as a kitten you don't know what they're going to end up being like i just you got to teach it to yell you I have guess. to yeah. like specifically train it to be a yelling cat i guess i don't think i did that <laughs> <laughs> we... He just, we got two kittens, I got one, and my sister got one. Like, this has been many years ago. This has been 16 years ago, because that's how old my cat is. Uh, and my cat is extremely talkative, and the other cat is not. So, who knows? It's a mystery. He got twice as much voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got all the voice for both of them. The voice yeah. thief... My childhood cat was named Whisper specifically because she, like, almost never made any noises at all. Like, the only noise she made was she had, like, an incredibly loud purr, Uh but she didn't vocalize at all, pretty much, which was, uh... Unless she was taken to the vet, in which case she was very loud indeed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've never had a loud cat. Yeah, the one time we had a, a... uh, intruder cat come near the house and she yowled at it. <laughs> I have never heard a sound quite like that before. Yeah, it's like, Fliffo talks a lot but when you put him in a situation he doesn't like, like when you put him in the carrier or in the car, or when you you know, when you take him when you take him to the vet, he just makes an entirely, it's like he unlocks a new class of, of just howling demon noises. Yep. I thought you were going to say it was quiet. No. <laughs> Although yeah, he, suddenly is a change of face. He does he does get quiet when um he hates it when I'm cooking and I turn like the vent fan on my above my stove on. He hates that and he like goes and hides and I have to find him after I'm done cooking. I don't know Aww. I don't know why. He didn't used to do that. This is like a pretty recent development. You're a little weirdo. He was not, he was not uh accidentally like stuck his nose into a fan at one point and then is afraid of fan sounds. I don't think so. I feel like that's something I would know about if it happened. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Mm. <laughs> yep. <sighs> so how have so, you guys been? It's good. been a, since, a slightly since longer. Since the last time we recorded, uh, I went on my like Easter vacation camping trip thing. Oh yeah. How was that? It was it was fantastic. It actually so it's almost always the the problem with this camping trip is that it's on Easter weekend, which means it's always like late April or early uh sorry, late March early April. Um which means usually it's very cold and it's very windy cuz it's on the beach. Mm-hmm. Um but somehow this year it just like there was a fluke and the weather was like beautiful every single day and like on the last day it was like 75 and sunny with hardly any wind nice 
Yeah, we. So it's it's been it's been like that up here, kind of like it got really warm and then it got cold again, and now it's kind of trying. It like it feels like it's it's just trying to get warm, but it's not quite making yeah. it. It's so. like doing that. It's like a car trying really hard to get up a hill is like the Seattle weather trying to get towards summer. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's like, uh, it got a little bit and then it slid backwards <laughs> a little, but it's 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 gonna get there. Yeah. Meanwhile, I, I talked to my parents in Colorado uh, a few nights ago, and they got a foot of snow, like, on, God, was that Thursday night? They, I think it was Friday. They got, like, a foot of snow. <laughs> so, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Yep. Nope. It was good times. I saw some wild ponies. <gasps> I uh, camped on the beach for several nights. I had some really delicious cooking um, because we we go all out when we go to, for this camping trip because one of the people who comes along is a retired caterer. So they bring, like, a whole giant tent with, like, a gas stove and, like, propane tanks for it. And, like, she makes amazing food for the weekend. Nice. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. I want someone to make food. <laughs> yeah. It's a good time. We all, I mean, we all have to do, like, the chores, because there's, like, you know, it's all it's all made and frozen for the most part, because she has to, you know, like, make stuff that we'll keep for the weekend. Um, so it's like, okay, you're on dinner duty tonight. Your, you know, duty is to, like, get out all the, like, cooking equipment and thaw out the stuff and, like, do what Marsha says <laughs> to, to <laughs> prepare it and, like, make it ready so that she doesn't have to do it the whole time, like, every day. Nice. I haven't I haven't gone camping in a really long time, and the last time I went camping, um, so my my parents have they have a really nice like airstream trailer, and that's sort of like they they got it a few years ago as sort of a pre retirement thing, mm. and that's just their plan is when they're both fully retired um, to just take the airstream out for as much of the year as they can. But it's like that's like not even camping. I was gonna say that's like a little RV, right? Basically, yeah. Like they've they've got like they've got a kitchen in there, like a pretty decent kitchen. Like it's not camping, but you know, it's yeah, fine. It's close enough. It's it's traveling to places yeah. and not quite having the full comforts that you would have normally at home. Yeah. So that's that's the last kind of camping that I've done, and I think it's been probably like maybe maybe a decade since I've gone real camping. I just don't get too many opportunities to do that which is too bad because i like camping yeah i'm usually not a huge fan to be honest like this was sort of the one exception because it (laughs) happened to be really nice yeah but in in general like i i am not good with being cold i am not good with sleeping on the ground i like to be comfortable It's like, yeah, all right. Oh, my, my husband's family does this every year oh, and yeah, like, yeah. has for a long time, so it's like a big tradition. It's a, it's a family tradition thing, yeah. Actually, I take yep. that back. I went camping. Uh, I went on a road trip to uh, a music festival in Texas, like the weekend of my 20th birthday. So that sucked because during the day it was really hot. Like this was in October, so but it was still pretty hot during the day, like in the 80s. And then at night, it got so cold. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was, that got a little rough, but, you know, it was just like, it was just a bunch of metalheads, like, camping out in a field and 
they brought us vegan food. Like the the festival organizers had like vegan food every day, and it was interesting. Okay. Had some pretty good. The vegan hummus. food. Vegan food can be can be very good or very bad depending on who's who's making it and how experienced they are with being a vegan. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was pretty good. Like it was just just that kind of people who are most of them are vegans and you know okay. whatever. But had some pretty good like hummus burritos or hummus mm. wraps, which I'm into. I like hummus a lot. Sounds tasty. Yeah. Another thing I started doing this in the past couple weeks, uh, Huck and I started watching uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yes! <laughs> Sorry. I get excited <laughs> about JoJo. I had, a, I had a feeling that if you had heard of this, that like there was a good chance you were a fan. Oh, yeah. I, I, I am enough of a fan that I, I'm like three story arcs ahead of where the anime is in the manga. And I, I is haven't. The manga st- is the manga still going? The manga's still going. The manga's been oh, going Jesus. longer, longer than I've been alive. Um, it's. I think it's. I think it might be one of the like. It's definitely one of the longest running, um, if not the longest, like in its category. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it started in like 1988. Jesus. The guy, um, Araki, who who writes it, the guy was 19 when when it was like first published. Oh Jesus! And. And he doesn't age. He's an interesting. <laughs> he's an interesting guy, and he's really into fashion and American music or Western he would music. Have to be a really interesting guy, from what I have seen. So I like. I'm not that far into it. Let's be like to be clear. Yeah. I'm only like five or six episodes in. Yeah, I figured you were uh, probably probably still in like the Phantom Blood vampire stuff. Yeah, arc. yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty early on. I think it's finally started to settle into its sort of regular formula. Like the first three or four episodes are just sort of backstory. Yeah. In in an odd way, but now it's starting to feel more like a regular fighting anime kind of thing. But it's still just it's so weird, <laughs> Kelso. It's so weird. <laughs> I love it. It's so it's just so goofy, and I I love it's things so that are hard. goofy. <laughs> It's so hard for me to tell because it it plays it so straight faced. It's impossible to tell how seriously it's taking itself. It so it 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 takes a pretty big turn in terms of like f- format um, after the the second story arc, um, which okay. I think is the first the first two story arcs are in one season. So then, like season two, it takes a pretty big uh, turn. And that that becomes sort of what the rest of the series is about. And at that point, it becomes much less serious. But it's still... Okay, it it's, becomes just straight-up comedy instead like, of, like, well, super deadpan. The thing about it is the characters are always really serious, but everything else happening is just stupid. So <laughs> it it's... I mean, that's already true of it. Like, that's not not the case for the, the starting stuff. Yeah. I, I think I think the thing about it, um, the thing about it is that Araki doesn't care. Like further on in the story, there are just these colossal plot holes that are never addressed, and it's just like whatever. Who cares? I forgot about it. You should forget about it too. <laughs> like it's fine. It's fine. So yeah, JoJo's a lot of fun. 
I mean, it's impossible to watch or read without going, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Um, Basically. And there's the the fourth story arc, the Diamond is Unbreakable, um, which is the one that was most recently uh, adapted Anime. into an anime. I, yeah. yeah. Um, for, for a really, really long time, the only uh, translation of the manga that existed is... Uh, extremely infamous. It's it's called the Duang or the Duwang translation, and it was a uh, an English project of some student, like high school students, and oh, apparently they like got a D on the assignment. The translation <laughs> is so bad, but I recommend that everyone reads at least like if you're gonna read the manga, which I. I don't necessarily recommend because it's really, really long. But if if you're going to read the manga for JoJo, I highly recommend you at least look at the Duang translation. Because it's it's so, it's so bad. It's, it's great. so bad. It's amazing. <laughs> the I'm I, I figured you would either like this would be something you really liked or really hated because the art style for the anime is also like super wonky and I assume that's because it's based on the art style of the manga yeah um, which is like from the 80s but the it's like some like the backgrounds are really nice but some of the character animation is like laughably terrible yeah <laughs> uh, especially the way they do lighting like they have completely it's... inconsistent lighting <laughs> yeah. from, like on the same character like on different characters in the same shot they will be lit differently depending on like what is dramatic what is a dramatic way for that character to be lit yeah um and that's another interesting thing is the the art style of the anime follows the manga really well to the point where um when the style of the manga changes because Araki goes through like a lot of different art styles and they're pretty drastically different from each other but they change it in the anime so it's like pitch perfect to the it's it's such a it's such a weird series um but yeah i i i honestly tend not to be too critical of uh, animation quality in anime just because i know what their budgets and their time frames are like <laughs> that's fair but um, the color palettes it's... are really good yeah they do some really interesting strange things with the animation style yeah. um it's i have a to be honest i do have a hard time watching more than like two or so episodes in a sitting uh because there's parts of it that are, like i'm not a big fan of gore and some of it is just really unnecessarily like gore filled yeah and like it it definitely gets that way you are correct god what even is that show though yeah it's a lot Anywho. of fun. This has been the JoJo podcast. We'll see you next week for, <laughs> for more JoJo. JoJo talk. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I've been up to. Nice. The past couple of weeks. Yeah. I've I've been... I started my new job, so I've been working. And I'm still yeah, doing... How's that? It's good. It's much better than retail. What are you doing exactly? I, I, I like... Oh, I, I got a student worker job at my school, so it's just like, now I only have one place to go ever that I need to worry about going to. Um, and I, I'm just doing, like, filing in the registrar's office because they, um, apparently they haven't been filing documents for, like, two years 
because uh, on Thursday I was going through a stack of papers from 2015. <laughs> so I've got a lot. I've got a lot of work, and they're very happy that I'm doing it. So that's nice. I feel yeah, I feel appreciated. Thing. Yeah. And you don't have to interact with the general public, which is always a bonus. Yeah, I think I will. Uh, I'll have to like handle students at the window eventually but there's there's another I have a coworker who does most of that and he's been there forever so they're students they're not real people yeah that's true <laughs> valid <laughs> that's true um well, I I did break down and I bought Persona 5 but I won't talk about it very much because you know spoilers but it's good I recommend it yeah no I have I have a friend who who got it and who's been playing it I've like been working very hard when talking with him to like get his opinion without getting spoilers so I'm um, like I, I will play this I'll find some time at some point to play this yeah uh, opinions without spoilers um it's 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 a persona game you know it, it gives you everything <laughs> that you'd expect but it streamlines stuff a lot more than the previous games so I think if you've never played a persona game this would be a good place to start um yeah, interesting. He said he said he would not recommend anyone uh, play this before playing Persona Four. Really? I mean, yeah. That's... But to be fair, he is like he's a really big fan of Persona Four. That's like his favorite one, and he has like very strong opinions about it. So, I guess I guess one thing I would say, and this is I think this is true of all of them, is I guess I haven't played the first two because I know the first two are pretty different. But I think if you start playing uh, like five and you like it stop like if you like it to the point where you would like to play the rest stop immediately and go back to three because you you cannot go backwards because they just <laughs> they make it consistently better every time and going back is such a chore yeah you'll be like why why was it made like this why yeah is this mechanic you'll, here? you'll go back to persona three and you'll be so mad that you can't control the inputs of your teammates because that's a thing that they didn't put in until Persona 4. <laughs> so I, I understand they streamlined in Persona 5 because there's a mechanic where you can like um, combine your little like creature summoning cards into other creature summoning cards and in 4 the the abilities they got from their parent cards were random so you could just like leave the area and come back in and like try it again to get like different ones and in this one they just let you pick it oh yeah <laughs> so you don't have to like open and close the door 20 <laughs> times to generate new random numbers i forgot about that in four yeah that's true yeah it just lets you pick pick like it gives you x x open slots for inherited skills and it gives you a list of of skills you can inherit and you just pick the ones which is nice um yeah I'll get i need to find a way to play them well, the uh, if you have a PS2, the uh, Persona Four is on PS2 and three. Yep, I I emulated them, and they emulate just fine. Guess uh, I could do that. Yeah, I'm not sure that's strictly legal, but whatever. Yeah, whatever. I, you're, I you're in Sweden. No one true. will care. <laughs> yeah, I I have yet to see anyone ever get busted for emulating games, so. Yeah, and yeah, I used especially to... since I'm sure I'm sure Persona Four, like three and four, at this point are not like 
burning up the shelves as like the hottest bestsellers at the moment. Yeah, they did. Because they're pretty old. They did manage to to give four some longevity because of uh, the golden remake on the Vita, um, and then all of the spinoff games. Oh yeah, four had like a billion fucking spinoff. Yeah. Games. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Dancing like all the night, fighting one, and the dancing one. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm sort of mad that I never played dancing all night, but eh, um, eh. <laughs> uh, Mike, so Mike is my friend who's like very into the series. He said the dancing one was actually like better justified narratively than the uh, the fighting game one was. I'm not surprised because I mean, so. th- there you do have you know an idol singer in in four as oh, a as a true. romanceable possible love interest and also she's like your um whatever the term is for the like person on the radio who gives you information oh yeah she's like your analyst or whatever yeah i don't know what they call it like in the game but i always just like refer to them as your your intel guy i don't know i don't really yeah you know yeah uh anyway four is really good and for the most part, the reason it's really good is that the characters are really interesting mm-hmm. and, like, compelling, and you want to know more about them. Yeah. It, so. it makes the the non-dungeon... I mean, I tend to prefer the parts that are not dungeon crawling and that are just being a high school student. Um, I like the dungeon crawling more in 5, I think. I could see that. The, there, it's pretty repetitive in four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so this has been the Persona podcast. <laughs> this has been yeah, the Persona podcast. This has been podcast. the JoJo and Persona podcast. Next, next time we're gonna talk about. Uh, I'm trying to think of like some some. We're gonna talk about Yuri on Ice because they announced a Yuri on Ice movie. I think. What. Now I have to double check and make sure that I'm not just like talking out my ass. Yeah. I kind of want to talk about it, but I kind of don't want to start a discussion. Yuri on Ice <laughs> uh, film has been greenlit. It was announced. Anime movie or? Uh, I believe so. Because if you could do it live action, I'm just saying. No, it's uh, not. It's not live action. It's just uh, it's an anime. It was announced yeah. yesterday, I guess. Yeah. Awesome. I'm surprised Tumblr has not seen fit to inform me of this yet. Yeah. I must not be following the right blogs. Anyway, <laughs> Carl, how are you? I'm do you fine. Have, do you have any anime to talk stressed. about? <laughs> um, yeah, but I'm not going. Okay. I you you mentioned that we there's a possibility of hearing um, fireworks in the background. Like, oh, what's yeah. going on there? That it's, fireworks. Uh, what's it called in English? Valpurgis night. Oh, uh, that's exciting. Cool. Not really, but there might be fireworks. Nice. <laughs> I only know mostly what Walpurgis Night is um, because I looked it up after seeing uh, Madoka Magica, speaking oh. of anime. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Which is also an amazing anime that everybody should see. But anyway. Madoka's good, yeah. I've been thinking about watching it again. It's been a while. I've also been thinking about watching Little Witch Academia, and I have not, and it's... Oh, it looks so good, but... Oh, gotta stop talking about anime. You guys want to talk about a video game? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about a video game that we played 
Okay. Can't yeah, we talk so about anime? <laughs> we could talk about anime. <laughs> we listen. We could talk. We could have a whole separate podcast on anime if we needed to have a podcast on anime. But that's not what this podcast is. This is a podcast about games that we play at a regular pace. Yep. Ish. Ish. Regular ish. Roughly. Yeah. <laughs> and for the past few weeks, we've been playing. War for the Overworld! Yay! <laughs> Excuse my coughing. I've been doing a lot of talking and training and teaching the past couple weeks, so little horse. Anyway, um, War for the Overworld is a game that was created via Kickstarter. So, for those of you who know the story of how the game Ukulele was made, it's like the same basic thing. I guess it is. In that there were, there were a group of people from the original game design team of, in this case, uh, Dungeon Keeper was the original game. It was Dungeon Keeper and Dungeon Keeper 2. Um, who, for various reasons, among them, like the Bullfrog Studio um, shut down or transitioned into being another studio mostly. Um, so there's, like, a group of people who worked on the original games who had been really excited to make Dungeon Keeper 3 and never really had a chance to do it because, like, the studio closed before they could. Um, so, you know, fast forward to the future, Kickstarter is a thing, and they say, like, hey, maybe, you know, people who are fans would like to donate some money such that we can um, create this game that we never got a chance to make. Um, and so they did. And it was... Uh, uh, you know, was made m like not by everyone on the original team because uh, I believe Peter Molyneux was involved in the original Dungeon Keeper games and he was not involved in War for the Overworld. Huh. But there were enough people who were fans uh, of the original game that they essentially made the sequel. And it's like the official unofficial sequel, so they can't use any of the same like creature names or you know exactly the same assets or like words for things but they have essentially like the identical things to some of the stuff from the earlier games they just put a different name on it yep in the same way that i think like ukulele had uh like feathers that you collect instead of musical notes um and you know yeah. stuff like that it's instead of uh instead of jiggies jigsaw pieces it's pages like pages yeah, exactly. out of a book. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. So similar kind of like just barely rebranded sort of things going on here. Yep. <laughs> um, but as a huge fan of the original Dungeon Keeper, I was like really excited to see to see what they'd done. And you know what? It's it's basically more Dungeon Keeper. Yep. It is. Uh, <laughs> So I, ha I haven't played Dungeon Keeper, but everyone keeps saying that this is like exactly the same as Dungeon Keeper. Yeah, it's 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 very very similar. The difference is um, they added a lot of mechanics. Um, you may have noticed. I think my so my primary like feedback on this game in terms of the experience of playing it was, oh my god, there are so many mechanics in this game. There are way too many mechanics yes. in this game. Yes. Um, and it does inherit that from Dungeon Keeper to an extent. Um, Dungeon Keeper was a game with a lot of mechanics and a lot of buttons on the screen. Um, the 
the story goes, and I don't know if this is from like an interview that was specifically stated or if this is just sort of an apocryphal story, but after Bullfrog folded, it became uh, Lion's Head. Um, and the first game that Lion's Head Studios made uh, was Black and White. And supposedly, Black and White has no GUI specifically because of how many buttons were in Dungeon Keeper. Like, Dungeon Keeper had something like 200 buttons in its GUI. And so, like, Peter Molyneux was like, no, we're making, we're making a game with no GUI, no buttons. There are going to be zero buttons on the screen. You're going to do spellcasting with gestures, and everything is going to be, like, diegetic. Peter Molyneux making extreme decisions? Yeah, that's, I know, right? that's Peter Molyneux for you. <laughs> yeah, so, so, you know, it, Dungeon Keeper already suffered from, like, probably too many mechanics. And then War for the Overworld is just, like, also more. It's like they yeah. said, like, oh, man, you know all that, like, cool stuff we wanted to put in Dungeon Keeper, but we couldn't because there were, like, too many buttons on the screen and they didn't want to clutter up the interface? Let's put all of those things in this game. Yeah. And that's, that. like, man, I, I started up this game and was immediately overwhelmed. Like, because I, 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 I skipped Dungeon Keeper 2 and I didn't, like, I played just enough of Dungeon Keeper 1 to, like, get a taste of it and be like, okay, this is what this game is. Because I'm not super into RTS games and, you know, I just wanted to see what it was all about because everybody really loves Dungeon Keeper. So I think, <laughs> I feel like having skipped Dungeon Keeper 2, I was at even more of a disadvantage. And I'm just like, oh shit, what's all this stuff? Ah! Um, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's just a lot of stuff. We should, so let's go through like sort of the, the premise. All of, of this game. stuff. Yeah, we'll see if we have time. I mean, we do try to keep this podcast under three hours uh, when we can. So we'll see if we have time to go through all the mechanics. But the basic gist of the game um, is that you play as this uh, underlord um, who is like you're you're basically like an evil force uh, spreading darkness throughout this like mysterious underground realm. Um, And you are opposed by like heroes of light and other... Uh, underlords and the goal is uh, it's an RTS basically the goal is that you you know acquire resources you build up your armies and you you know take out the enemies or you know complete other objectives Uh, the 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 sort of twist on Dungeon Keeper is that it's also sort of part sim in that you don't have direct control over your army you are just sort of building a space in the underground, you're, like, creating a dungeon um, and, you know, building certain rooms and maybe, like, traps and things. Um, and then based on what you've built in your dungeon, creatures will decide to come to your dungeon because they're attracted by certain types of rooms. And if you keep them happy and well-fed and, you know, like, paid properly, then they will do the tasks that they're supposed to do in the dungeon, like manufacturing things or, you know, fighting for you in your army. But you can't actually, like, uh, you know, you you can't RTS-style, like, select a group of minions and command them to do a thing and then they just do it. You more, like, pick them up and drop them nearby what you would like them to do and hope that they obey you. Yeah, or you can put down little like, flags to rally them to a location. 
Yeah, which is more, which is a, a stronger mechanic, I think, in this one than it was in previous Dungeon Keeper games. Um, rallying was slightly less of a thing, I uh, which I think it's it's a useful addition. Yeah. Because um, it it does give you a little more direct control than you you would usually I mean, get otherwise. I would disagree. <laughs> you don't think, think rallying is like, useful? If you're gonna make a game where it's about not having control, make it a. Make it about not having control. Yeah, I yeah. think that that's valid. I could see that as a like as a viewpoint. Um, yeah. It's it's it does make control easier, but it's true that that's like easy control is not really the point of this game. Also, like uh, another another uh, point of easy control, you can directly possess individual minions and yeah. just and just use them like if you have one minion next to one enemy, you can just possess that minion and just. Boop, go over there and yep. pop them. And then all of a sudden, it's a it's a first person uh, like uh, game with like MMO style controls, right? Yeah. yeah. Or MOBA style. Yeah, I I think I did that like once and then never did it again. But it's yeah, there. It, yeah. Same. Yeah, it was a thing that you know it's worth trying just to try it out. And it was a fun mechanic. Again, I think in uh, in the earlier games, but I think they. You, there was sort of more you could do with it in the earlier games because you could. Uh, I know, like Huck's favorite thing in Dungeon Keeper Two was to um, go in as a vampire, possess one of their highest level. Or sorry, uh, so the vampire in Dungeon Keeper Two had a power that they could like hypnotize um, enemies and like uh, like get them to do their bidding for a little bit. So he would uh, he would go in as a vampire, hypnotize one of their highest level creatures, and then immediately run away back towards the base until he got to like the phalanx of traps that he had built, and then just let the the traps like unpossess the vampire and let the traps take out the hero. <laughs> That's pretty good. So yeah. there were there were a lot of like weird, silly things you could do with possession uh, in the old game, but. Unfortunately, I don't think the AI is quite robust enough in this game to support that kind of thing. It's The thing is, it is a Kickstarter game, and it is very buggy. There are a lot of bugs yeah. uh, in this game. <laughs> Which is, is somewhat unfortunate, but like not entirely unexpected. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, so you're acting basically as this sort of uh, RTS player slash sim manager... Um, and making, like, a cool dungeon and trying to, you know, achieve your objectives. And so the... Maybe I'll go through the list of rooms first. There are a variety of rooms that you can build. Um, you start... The basic ones you start out with are a lair, which is the place where uh, creatures live. A... Um, what do they call the hatch? It's not a hatchery anymore. It's a place where you have micro piglets. Uh, is that... It was chickens in the old game, so it used to be a hatchery, but it's not a hatchery anymore. Is that the... No, it's not... I'm trying to remember what it's called. I'm looking at the list, and I don't... Yeah, they don't give you the original... Like the, They give you the, the rooms you can unlock on this list, but they don't give you the, uh, the ones you start with. Well, that's or a bummer. World rooms. Anyway, there's a there's a place where you oh the slaughter like, pens. That's what they're called. Slaughter pen. Yeah. Okay. So there's a place where you generate um, food for the dungeon, um, which is like little micro piglets, which is based on like a one-off joke 
from the Dungeon Keeper games um, because there's a so there's a standard RTS style like voice that gives you sort of info and instructions as you're playing and if nothing happens for a while it will just give you like weird miscellaneous comments yeah um, you know like hey you know one of your one of your creatures got too caught up like playing an MMO and hasn't done any work for a while. I think, or, my, you know. I think my favorite one that I heard was like one of your minions has built an impressive house of cards. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in Dungeon Keeper one of the things it could say was micro piglet stalk your dungeon. <laughs> Just kind of apropos of nothing because that wasn't the thing in the game. That's... That's cute. So they made so they made micro piglets like the food source in this one. Nice. Um, so so that's like sleep and food, uh, and a treasure chamber you can build to uh, to store gold that is mined um, by your imps. So your imps are your like basic workers that you start with, and you can use magic to generate more of them. Um, then there's things like a training room, the barracks. Um, where like creatures become stronger there's a beast pen where you uh, can attract creatures that um, like don't do any work they're just like mindless fighting machines Um, there's so many things there's a workshop where you can build things um, an archive which was the old which used to be called library Mm -hmm. which is where you research uh things um alchemy did you say the alchemy lab i did not say alchemy there's alchemy lab where you can do potions um there's a crypt which is like a graveyard type place where you can reanimate corpses there's a spirit chamber where you can like use enchantment to like power up creatures um there's a prison for storing enemies that have been knocked out um and a torture chamber for taking imprisoned enemies and uh, torturing them until they join your side. <laughs> uh, there's sanctuary for doing complex rituals. There's garrison, which is like a guard room. Uh, oh, there's the... Um... Did we say the tavern? Yeah, that was the one I was trying to think of. The tavern. There's like a tavern, which um, is just used to improve the mood of your creatures. Like, they go there to, like, eat and gamble. And, yeah, like, and... have yeah and you have to you have to pay your minions but if you have a tavern they will just go spend their pay at the tavern and you'll get money back (laughs) yeah which is kind of nice um did you say what's it called the place where you get shunders uh the foundry yeah foundry i think i mentioned foundry Foundry. so that's like you build traps and doors um and uh yeah used to be called workshop in the old games they have to they have to come up with slightly fancier names for everything because they can't name anything the same as it was in yeah. the previous one. Yeah. Pretty much. So like instead of the library, it's the archive and instead of the training room, it's the barracks and Yeah. I, I guess it's also worth mentioning, I don't think we mentioned like it also follows the same like dungeon keeper mechanic of you have like a the heart of your dungeon and if your heart gets destroyed, you're you're fucked basically and you yeah and so instead of like a standard rts where um there's sort of a like a preset terrain um usually like 
there is some terrain elements, like there are rivers and things in the underground, um, and like lava pits and stuff, but a lot of it is just earth, and the way you actually um, proceed in the game is you dig out sections of earth that then get claimed, and then you can fill, when you have claimed tiles in them, you can build rooms on them. Yeah. So you sort of decide like the size and shape that your dungeon is going to be by how, what areas you dig out and what areas you leave as standing walls. And it's it's on a grid and it's I, I actually find that incredibly satisfying. That's like my favorite part of the game is like building out like a really nice like well-designed dungeon where everything fits in its shapes really nicely. I would find that satisfying if I ever could like manage it. Usually my dungeons end up looking like total dog shit messes because I, I, it's just, it's, I'm just not very good at RTS games. So I, I am like pretty reactionary and I'm like, oh shit, I need this thing. I've got space over here. I guess that's where it's going, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. There is a, there is a, um, like very, very kindly of them. They do give you, uh, like the home dungeon level, which is a level that's just the sim. Where, like, nothing attacks unless you trigger an attack. And so you can just sort of, like, build stuff and try stuff out. I, didn't, but, I guess I didn't, like, look hard enough for that, because I didn't find that. That yeah, would be that would have been useful it, for me, probably. Yeah, it's on the same, um, the, like, the little land masses where you start. There's, like, another area that never triggers as, like, part of the main campaign. Um, and that's your home dungeon. Oh. And uh, hilariously, if, you, uh, if you're like halfway through the campaign and you go mess around with the home dungeon, um, the voice that y- your like narrator companion like voice thing just like spends the entire time bitching at you to get back at the ca- to the campaign. <laughs> They're like, nice. you know, we're in the middle of, you know, we're in the middle of something here, right? <laughs> like, are you even listening to me? <laughs> that's good. Like they're waiting for you to come back and do this thing. We've got two two games in a row with very strong narrators. <laughs> yeah. This 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 narrator is not quite as pleasant or uh Yeah, this um, one's very like uh not condescending but like imperious. Like he he demands things of you all yeah. the time and it's like, dude, chill out. I'm doing the thing. Whereas, whereas the old one or the one in Zumbidis is like just endlessly supportive. <laughs> yeah. What was the game before Zumbidis? Night in the Woods. Uh, oh, yes, yeah. Night in the Woods, and then before that was Valhalla. Yes. I happen to have the uh, the the um, SoundCloud page open in a tab right now. Nice. <laughs> so I could go all the way back if you wanted. Before that was Pony Island. I sort of forgot we played. Yeah, I, I glanced at it earlier, and I was like, oh, Pony Island, yeah. Um, yeah, so... I mean, we could... Should we go through, like, all the creatures and all the traps? Maybe we should go through at least all the mechanics. Um, as in, like, what, what are the things you do in each room? And, like, what are the various menus that they open up? Okay. Um, I'm, I'm sure there are so many that I will not remember any of them, but... Alright, so let's see. Things you can do. Um, there are defenses, which are things you build in the foundry, which include um, traps and doors, mostly. Mm-hmm. So things like, I can build like a, a platoon of cannons, so that like anything that tries to come into my dungeon will get shot at. Um, which... 
they they the more defenses you build, the less overall mana you have. So you have a mana pool that regenerates automatically over time, but every defense like locks a little bit of your mana. It just like permanently uses it up. So you have like essentially it gives you a lower maximum mana the more defenses you build. I guess until they get destroyed. Yeah, until they get destroyed. Then you get your mana. It's, it's, is... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go on. Oh, I was going to say, it's, it's similar to how you can summon extra workers and it decreases your mana pool until you get rid of your extra workers. That's yeah, all. I was going to say, I didn't care at all about lowering my maximum mana. Because it regens so fast. Yeah, Especially really in does. later levels in the in the game. It it regens less fast in um like if you're playing multiplayer or in like the early levels in the game. Uh I think there's like a narrative justification uh so the the like single player campaign is you're like going through and looking for this artifact called the Kinos that will give you like supreme power over the underworld and then you're using it to destroy um like this this hero of light type character um and once you get the kinos your mana res- like resolves almost instantly you just get it back like right away and i assume that's like their narrative thing for like oh you have the kinos now and it's powering you up um because you don't get that outside of the the single player campaign hmm. i guess that makes sense so you have to be a little more cautious. Like, not a ton more cautious with your mana, because it's still relatively fast yeah. regen. But you can't quite use it to, like, instantly kill your, like, enemies' um, big old, uh, like, hulking things, whatever those are called. Um, huh, there's a... So, th- yeah. All right. Sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So those are defenses. Um there's the things that you do in the like library the archive uh which in in old in the older games in dungeon keeper you would research spells um and the spells would become available to you the more that uh they were researched in in the uh the library the way they do it in this game is you already start with all the spells that you can cast um and instead, researching gives you sins, which is like a currency that you can spend to unlock tech tree items, mm-hmm. which is sort of like is kind of really inconsistent in the single player campaign because they unlock a ton of stuff for you already to begin with at the beginning of each level. So it's like really unclear what you're supposed to unlock and why. Um, but when you actually get as far as uh, doing like, you know, multiplayer stuff then almost everything starts out locked and most of the rooms you have to get to by researching sins and actually like manually unlocking them yep also with the archive you you'll find like uh artifacts sort of around the map and you can they bring them back to the archives and that it researches the artifacts and you get useful effects from them yeah once once you've researched it and you know what it is then you can activate it and they do things like you know, raise all your minions by one level, or, you know, make all your minions instantly happy, or, um, like, finish all of your, building all your defenses that you currently have on the field, or things like that. Yeah. 
um, which is another menu tab. It, it, the, those artifacts get their own menu tab. Yep, everything gets its own menu tab. Yep. And multiple, so like, sub, some get, like, multiple sub-menus, like, your minions tab has... Oh, has has different has like sub menus for each class of minion you have and oh yeah yep and you can organize it by like the job they're doing or the level they're at or and it's like okay so yeah. many things there's a lot um, of things uh okay so the that's the so the foundry for making defenses um there's spells there's the um, archive for researching sins and uh, and identifying artifacts. Um, there's the ritual chamber, uh, which is built to allow you to do essentially fancier spells. They are like one-use spells that like take a while to prepare. So you like set a ritual to start, and it like starts completing, and then when it's done, you can cast the spell at will. Um, and that does things, those can do things like, you know, reveal parts of the map, or um, there's one that's like, gradually turn your mana pool into gold. Oh, yeah. Which is good if you're on a map where you're, like, starved for resource. Um, and other things like that. I think those were actually the only two I ever used in the rituals, so I don't actually know what most of the other rituals even are. Yeah. I'm looking, let's see, there's... Uh... Seal, which gives you, let's see, it takes all of your claimed land and fortifies the walls. There's uh, Pacify, which, uh, I'm, I'm reading these, and there's, the. by the way, the text in the tooltips is really, really verbose. Like, it doesn't tell you, it doesn't just tell you what it does, it gives it to you in really florid language. Um... <laughs> So let's see, pacify. This ritual calls for a saving hand to intervene between blade and flesh. Saving spell from metal is all damage done from both friend and foe within your area of influence is... Da- is Okay, so it, it, it reduces damage for a period of time. Good. Thank you. <laughs> um, let's see. Ice Age, which... Freezes that, like... your thing and it gets rid of Ember Demons. Avarice, which turns your mana pool into gold. Weaken, which weakens your enemy fortifications. Uh, and Global Warming, which thaws all permafrost and softens all brimstone. Melts frozen effects. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> is there one? Is there one that, like, um, automatically, like, brings all your creatures back to your dungeon heart or something like that? I think that's... I don't think that's a ritual. I think that's a spell. Well, there's a spell that you can use to do that, like, one at a time. Um, to, like, to, to take a specific group, creature or group back to your dungeon. Um, but I think there's one that, like, also takes, like, everybody back, but also, like, blows up some of the walls around your dungeon heart at the same time or something. I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm looking at the ritualist, and I don't. I don't see anything like that. Okay. But, maybe but it's somewhere. It, maybe it's it, one yeah. of the other set of me- mechanics. All right. Yeah. Um, there's also uh, constructions, which are sort of like defenses in that they are th- like objects that you can build in the world, uh, except that they don't need to be built in the foundry. They can be built exclusively by your imps, um, and they do things like blowing up certain like permanent rock types and um, 
creating a little whirlpool that your imps can drop gold into when they mine it so they don't have to go all the way back to the treasure room. Uh, and other things. Oh, create replacement earth, which is yeah, nice. Which I so, like, if you accidentally really dig about. down a wall, which I do all the time, <laughs> um, you can then, like, rebuild it by... Uh, by just you know, popping by, one down. By just, yeah, creating a little replacement earth construction. Yeah, that was... Then, you know, that one was really helpful, especially because there are some maps that are, like, really open. Um, and if you if you don't have walls around your rooms, if you don't have fortified walls around your rooms, the effects of the rooms are not as strong. Like, the rooms get buffed if they're uh, in in a fortified yeah. area. So that's, like, super helpful for, for, you know, sort of beefing up your rooms a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think that was, that's, like, one of those things that was clearly like something that was sorely missing from dungeon keeper Mm -hmm. that it was like really nice that they added yeah um yeah so that's that's constructions there are probably other constructions that i'm forgetting again i only used like this is like the running theme there's like all these mechanics and i only ever use like one or two things from each category yeah yeah i agree i'm in the i'm in the same (laughs) the same boat yeah so it's like i used like Replacement Earth, um, and occasional like and the, the, the gold vortex and occasionally the thing that blows something up if I'm in a, a map that has like that special type of rock that can only be blown up that way. Oh yeah, it's like brim brimstone, brimstone. I think. And yeah, it, brimstone. It, it explodes all of the brimstone that's touching it. Yeah. So, so yeah. you make yeah, you make like a little mine essentially, like a little bomb. And uh, you can set it off, and it blows up like a sequence of brimstone that's nearby, which is cute, but like an entirely unnecessary mechanic. Like, like what's the what's even the point of that? You're just like temporarily gating it off until that mechanic is unlocked, and then it's not really gated off because you just have to build the thing to get through that area. Yeah. Like you could all you could just as easily have brimstone just take longer to dig through, and it would be exactly the same effect. You know. You gotta have explosions, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Yeah, I mean, supposedly it's also very useful in multiplayer to, um, if your opponent is, like, very much turtling, um, it can be used to blow up fortified walls. Oh, that is true. um, Rather than spending ages digging through the fortified walls. Yeah. Uh, But I never really used it for that. So that's that's constructions. Um, Then there's potions. Um, so the alchemy lab place uh, can like build a stock so it's sort of also very similar to spells uh, in that they have effects that you can cast on the battlefield but instead of just being able to cast any of them whenever you like have to build up a stockpile of potions in your little potion lab and then you can use them at later points like by deploying them which again that seems like entirely redundant with spells. Why wouldn't you just have spells? I guess. Well, I mean, I guess if potions don't don't take mana, they don't. Yeah, they so they instead. That's like it's it's time rather than mana is your. Yeah. So yeah. I so here's the thing about this game. None of the mechanics are like completely ancillary or feel like they could have been just entirely ignored. Like they all fit into the balance somehow. Like, if you need to get gold, you can either, like, spend minions on it by using the spell that turns a minion to gold, 
um, so it can be harvested, or spend mana on it by using the ritual that can, uh, you know, that turns your mana into gold. There's also a and, spell that I really like called Blood Money, where it takes uh, your captured prisoners and turns them into solid yeah. gold statues. Yeah, I like that yeah, one that's a lot. What I was thinking before. You can do that. You can also use it on your own minions. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, you can use it on your own minions or captured minions, which is usually the better option. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, like, there's... It's basically to give you different strategic options for fulfilling, like, a particular um, a goal that you have, some kind of tactical goal that you have. Um, but... So, so, none of them are, like, unnecessary, but there's just... There's a lot of them, and they could have been so much tighter like I feel like all of these are answers to game design problems right we had a problem which was like sometimes the person doesn't have enough gold and they need a way to like you know to to have some way of compensating for that so they can get resources Um, and it seems like the answer to their game design problems was always add another mechanic (laughs) Yeah, And it yeah. seems like there are better ways to solve those problems. Like, you don't have to solve it that way every single time. There's yeah. way too much shit going on in this game. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess you could justify it as, we want a solution for every possible play style, you know? Yeah. Um, so that it's, it's... Because, I mean, it is, like, a highly customizable experience because of all of these mechanics, but... You know, to, for I think a lot of us who are not super super into RTS games and are playing it like on a just more casual basis, it's just like I don't, I don't. There's too many things to click on. I don't, I don't know. Need this many options. Like I just clicked on something. I don't know what I clicked on. So there's there's a like a sin that I just wasted because I have no idea what I spent it on. But it's not the thing that I wanted to. You know it. Um, yeah. So I'm 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 torn like. I, I feel super overwhelmed by everything in this game, but I'm torn as to whether I wish it was not there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For, for the sake of people who are not me. Yeah, because for everything, you can find a reason to justify why it's in the game. Like, what it does that's useful in terms of balance or economy or something like that. But there didn't, there's, there certainly didn't need to be this many things. Yeah. Like, of the rooms that there are, I absolutely never built a spirit chamber, the one where you can, like, give experience to other units. Yeah. No. Uh, and I absolutely never built a potion lab. Because why? Like, I, I'm already doing all of the things that I would do. Like, I'm already training up my creatures to give them experience, and I'm already, like, you know, using spells and rituals. It's so like, I don't also need to use potions. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, you know, hurting for mana, so I don't need those potions. Yeah. I think mana comes from the more territory you have captured, the the higher your mana um, ceiling is. That's the way oh. it used to work, so I assume that's the way it still works in this game. Probably. I did not actually verify that, yeah. though. <laughs> I mean, uh, I just built a beast pen and, like, another beast pen. Yeah, and so the beast pen is is fun and it like gives you a ready like source of army that aren't like characters that you need to do jobs in your army but also 
like, was there really a reason that you needed to separate out beasts from other types of minions and give them their own room? Like, couldn't you just have had a, a single type of minion that was more fighting-based? In fact, you there is at least one minion whose primary job is fighting. Like, there's at least, like, two. I think yeah. the thing with minions, or with, with beasts, is that they're they're easier to manage from, like, a, a personnel standpoint, because you don't really have to worry about keeping them happy as much. Like, you don't need a tavern for your beasts. They just go straight to your slaughter pens and, and eat your pigs out of it. Like, there's no processing required. So they're... They, the trade-off for the lack of specialization is that they're they're easier to keep happy, I guess. So if you don't care to specialize as much and you just want to beat shit down, then you just build a big old beast pen, build a big old slaughter pen, you're good to go. I don't... That's... There's- that's there's my also, thinking about there's it. There's a mechanic called um, warbanding, which is essentially like tying units to a specific like numbered group the way you would in an RTS and like being able to rally one group at a time. Um, and beasts come with like a pre, pre-made warband where you can always rally all beasts at once. Um, which is kind of, like I made a lot of use of, but still feels like a sloppy t- solution to something that there could have been a tighter solution for. Yeah. This this game is essentially when people talk about like games that are tightly designed or tightness in design, they're talking about the opposite of this game. Yeah. That's basically that's basically what the problem with this game is. It's not that it's badly designed, it's that it is very much not tightly designed. Every time you encounter a problem, you find, like, you add something to make sure that it can't happen. Yeah. And so the end result is just so many things. So many things in the game. Yep. Yep. Um, Okay, so so each type of room also attracts, uh, like, different types of creatures. (laughs) So we can talk about what all the different types of creatures are. Yeah. That works. Um, so you start with your imps, which are like your little workers, um, and they are not attracted. Unlike all the other types, they are not attracted to your uh, dungeon. They, you start with a certain number, and if you run out, you can use up mana to to make more of them. But they they don't like come in. You have to actually like claim a little rift in the ground that uh, creatures can emerge from in order to start uh, attracting creatures to your dungeon. Uh, so the first one you get is a gnarling. They're just like a standard soldier type, um, like goblin-y looking thing. Uh, they're attracted by the barracks, and their whole goal is to just fight. Um, there's the just cultist. Like the oh yeah, there's there's a ton of beasts, uh, which who's also like basically only fight. Uh, there's Bafu, which is a flying one. There's the Oculus, which is like basically a beholder from D&D, which just sort of wanders around the map and gets into trouble most of the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're always like, the, the the voice will be like, you know, your minions are under attack. And you'll be like, oh, no, where's the fight? And you'll see, you'll go and there's like an Oculus, like on the far side of the map, like hovering over a lava pit, like attacking your enemy's defenses. And you're like, dude. What are you even doing? Yeah. <laughs> Get home. <laughs> Get out of here. Yep. Uh, there's the Skarg is another one of the beasts, which is like a big, um, like, spidery thing. Uh, and then there's the Shadow, 
which is a beast that's just like, I don't know, it's like a black shadow thing. It looks a little bit like a Skarg, except more insubstantial. Yeah. I think they've got like a, a weird like blink sort of thing, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, they like teleport along the place, I think. Yeah. I like the shadows. They're they're kind of cute. <laughs> I think that's probably yeah. the opposite of what they're, they're supposed to be, but I think they're, they're kind of cute. Also, I think they're also easily killed, though, which is unfortunate. I think yeah, they have low probably, health. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, there's a the so the beast den also attracts. Oh no! The so in addition, well, we forgot a room. Uh, the arena. So the arena attracts beast masters. Oh right. Who will train your beasts to make them higher level in the arena. So the arena is just the barracks, except exclusively for beasts. Yeah. Which again, you wouldn't need if you didn't have beasts as a separate category. Yep. Oh but, well. Okay. Oh well. You know. Um, <laughs> so okay. What I probably what I probably would have done there was like um, make the beast master just a another type of minion that's attracted, and the higher level beast master, the more beasts it just like attracts rather than having to create, like, a whole separate room and separate mechanic for beasts. Because there's a number of other um, minion types that have, like, little sub-minions that follow them around. So... Yeah. But anyway... I would just remove the beasts. Yeah. Like, the beasts are sort of unnecessary. And I understand why they're there, but, like, again, I think there were tighter ways around <laughs> around that that they could have designed. Yeah. I mean, they, um, they don't have, like, the same element and... Uh, they do the same thing as other units, and yeah, they're they're basically they're them. like they're like units that are easier to manage and that give you a dedicated fighting force if your minions are mostly tied up doing in dungeon work and you don't want to like do the micromanaging required to separate out the fighting minions from the non fighting minions. Mm-hmm. So it does solve again. It does solve the problem. But it solves a problem by adding a mechanic. Yep. That's how um, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. Uh, so then there's the cultist. The cultist is attracted by the uh, archive and the ritual chamber and can work in both. Um, and he's uh, he's sort of a range fighter if he has to fight, but he mostly does research. Um, like his big thing is is. Uh, working up your rituals or doing research for you to get more sins um, in the in the archive. Yes. And uh, there's yeah, and and analyzing artifacts. Yeah. Um, there's the witch doctor, which is uh, I think they're from the spirit chamber, right? I think so. I don't know much about what they do other than working in the spirit chamber because I never built spirit chambers. So I never really had that many witch doctors. Um. Da, 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 da. I have no idea. Uh, harnessing the experiences of perished allies and foes, the witch doctor is capable of channeling them into a new vessel. So I guess if you have a um, if you like have units on the map that have been killed, the witch doctor can take them and take the levels and transfer them to a lower. Le- I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, that's what it, that that's sounds, what it sounds like. That sounds something like that, yeah. 
Yeah, that's an odd mechanic that I never fully wrapped my head around. It's also, yeah. one thing that's kind of funny is that the, the campaign mode starts out being like a tutorial thing where like each level they introduce like a new mechanic and then at a certain point it, they just fucking give up. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, here's here's 20 new mechanics that we're not really explaining for you to try on this level and here's 20 new mechanics on the next level. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that as well. Um you know, it's fine. You just gotta just gotta play with it. Like, I actually think that the campaign was actually, like, a lot shorter than it could have been, too. So I would have been fine if they'd spent the entire campaign just doing, like, one new mechanic at a time. Because I think it would have been better than just dropping them all on you. Yeah. Considering how many mechanics there are in yeah. this game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, there's the auger, which is a, just like a big brute type thing that, um, works in the, like, guarding chamber room, um, and if they are, if the guard room is, uh, so the, the guard room is full of, like, these little stations that the augers go and sit in, and the station has a radius when an auger is inside it, and any traps or defenses within that radius are boosted, are made more powerful. Um, so they are good to have, like, near your entrances to kind of, you know, ward off enemies. Mm -hmm. um, Beastmaster we talked about. The crackpot uh, is your researcher but for um, potions. the potions. Yeah. So, yeah, he makes potions in the potion room. And I don't, I've never seen one of them in battle. Again, I never made the potion room, so I don't know much about what they do. I had, but I, I had probably a couple, like throws alchemy bombs or something. Yeah, I had a couple and I didn't really pay attention to them. Um, what does it say? Uh, yeah, it, it uses potions to defend themselves if attacked. So, yeah. Yeah, probably not the same potions that you actually have as like a stored up thing. Yeah, um, I think it's just like, like just a, an attack thing, oh, it's just like a yeah. generic thing. Also, one thing I don't think we've mentioned is that uh, sometimes there are really cute tooltips on the loading screens, um, and one of them is regarding the crackpots, which, uh, according to the game, is that they used to be normal gnarlings, but then they got into the wrong crowd and started sniffing vapors from the alchemy lab. So they're base <laughs> they're basically like the tweakers of the game. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, they do. There are a lot of things about this game that are pretty cute. And I should say, for the record, for as much as I'm complaining about this, I love this game. Like, I enjoy the hell out of this game because I enjoy the hell out of Dungeon Keeper. <laughs> but I recognize that it has significant flaws. Yeah. You know, that's important. You gotta, you gotta be uh, able to do both. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay, so then there's the Necromancer, um, which can raise, if you have enough things that die and, like, their bodies are put in the crypt, um, the necromancers can raise ghouls, which are, like, temporary sub-minions that the necromancer can command. Um, that, that, like, join your army. Mm -hmm. And the one and only, um, like, crawl level in the campaign, so a lot of RTSs have levels like these where you don't actually get to build anything, you just have a group of units that you have to move around the map to, to accomplish the objective. Um, and this campaign does in fact have one of those, uh, and the one of them is that uh, you have a group of necromancers and you have to go through 
like an enemy um, catacombs and like open a bunch of crypts and gain a bunch of ghouls so that you can like amass a big enough army to like attack the uh, the royal family from the crypt or yeah. from the catacombs, mm-hmm. which was kind of an interesting level. Um, then there's the succubus uh, who is used to torture um, enemies in the torture chamber. Uh, yeah, they they are like. I guess because they are explicitly listed as succubi in this, their their random sexiness like makes more sense than the dark mistresses did in Dungeon Keeper. Yeah. But it's still just like a kind of a cheesy BDSM joke where it's like, oh, sexy ladies torturing people in the torture chamber. Yeah, this one does make a lot more sense. Like, <laughs> you you already have like demons that you're summon, like you know, demonic creatures that you're summoning. Like mm-hmm. explicitly demons, so it it fits a little better to have, you know, your 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 dungeon ladies be actually succubuses, succubi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Instead of just randomly like a sexy lady in leather, which yeah, is essentially just, what the dark mistresses were. Just you know, just the dungeon dominatrix that you keep in your dungeon, I guess. Yep. I mean, I would have liked it if they just called them sexy lady lady in leather. <laughs> just go with it although I, I guess mean, I they guess, were called yeah. dark mistresses to be fair I guess if we're talking about dungeon keeper like if you're gonna build a dungeon ostensibly women who are like dominatrixes could be attracted to that and like take like you know <laughs> clip clip out that ad in the local in the local paper and call call you up ask for a job I don't know <laughs> I guess. It's not... I mean, you could do whatever mental gymnastics you want to to make it work, I guess. Well, that's yeah, fine. I mean, as far as jokes in this style go, I feel like this one is relatively harmless. Yeah. <laughs> um, Alright, and then there is... Uh, there are vampires? I don't even remember where vampires come from in this iteration. Neither do I. Let's... let's... Me neither. <laughs> Let's read about Did we it. even get vampires? I didn't get there's, vampires. There's so much shit in this game. I didn't. I don't yeah. even Apparently remember. Apparently, you half can get of them it. by sacrificing your own minions in the sanctuary. I didn't even know you could sacrifice minions in the sanctuary. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you I go. There's could, so many mechanics. We don't even know all the mechanics. Yeah. Just mechanics. I knew we could sacrifice the... minions, but uh, like. Why would you sacrifice minions? I, I guess, guess so maybe you can get... vampires are powerful? Yeah, I guess you can get vampires. Let's see, what do vampires do? Um, okay, well, they're immortal. So if it dies, it immediately respawns. Um, they, they... That sounds good. Yeah, um, vampirism heals itself for a third of all damage dealt. Doesn't need to eat or sleep. Um, Why would it need to heal damage? I don't it's know. immortal. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it, I think when it respawns, it respawns at its lair. Yeah. So it's still like there's a setback. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see. Feed feeds off an enemy unit, instantly killing it and granting the vampire a significant amount of health and happiness. Um, and then so they're powerful. They're powerful units, basically. Yeah. And then and then a couple of just like uh, you know damage damage attacks that don't do anything but hurt. Yeah. Fair. Okay. Uh, and then there are chunders. Um, where chunders are just like big 
scaly froggy things with hammers on their heads that work in your workshop. Oh yeah, and their their attacks are fart based. Oh yes, they that's so that's a a reference to the bile demons in yeah. uh, in the original, which were which were uh, gas based. That was their whole joke was they were like big fat red critters that ate a lot and then farted the enemies to death. Yep. I'm kind of glad like I'm kind of glad the Chunder replaced them. The Chunder are at least slightly more subtle. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Hmm. Um and like more manageable cuz I remember the bile demons like really got getting upset really easily like the second they got even a little bit hungry, they would just, like become annoyed and stop working. They were like very lazy. That's yeah. Uh right. Happy. And so so then there is uh there's a trio there's i guess there's actually four of them um although only three of them are available via the the single player campaign um of like i guess hero characters hero is not the word i'm looking for but um like you know the character that you can only have one of um it costs you three sins to summon one and you can only have one in your dungeon at a time oh yeah uh and you can choose between the archon which is like the magic one the behemoth, which is the attack one, or the eternal, which is the defense one. Um, and there's one more that's like uh, that uses money to heal itself, and I forget what that one's called. Um, it's not on the creature list here, but that one that one is available in multiplayer, I think. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so you can you pick one of them. It takes like five minutes to summon it uh, at your dungeon heart, and then it's like one super powerful minion that, like, doesn't have to eat or sleep and can't become, like, upset um, and does, you know, one one job uh, somewhere in your dungeon while it's not fighting, but then you can, uh, like, lead it to fight, uh, you know, into fights, and it's super powerful. So the, uh, the magic one is the Archon, the defense one is the Eternal, and the attack one is the Behemoth. And all of them, I think, can just, like, go straight over water and lava with no trouble. <laughs> Oh, that's nice. That's good for them. Yeah, so they're they're useful to to have to have along with you. Yeah. Whew. So yeah. many things. I know. So, so what are what are the mechanics that you used the least? Like, I I didn't really use potions at all or the spirit chamber at all. Um, and I've barely used the crypt ever either. <laughs> yeah, I. I don't think I ever built a single spirit chamber like of of my own volition. Um, I made a couple. I made a couple alchemy labs that I used the potions a couple times, but I didn't. It wasn't like my bread and butter. Mm -hmm. um, I just built beasts and spam heal on them. Yeah, that was That's pretty much what my I did. strategy too. Was like beasts all the way, and like nurture them during the fight by like constantly casting heal spells on them. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and then just like a found foundry and archive, and then you know the other few things that you need for support, like the the yeah. the the, um, the barrack, not the barracks. What's the other one? The one that's uh. The one that's well, you just... do want you do want a barracks to like train up your creatures. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but the the one where you just they 
What is, what's the room that they just sleep in? What's that called? The lair? The lair, yeah, the lair. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that one. I was thinking of, I was thinking of, like, the lair was what, what the beast pen was, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah the beast den is where the beasts sleep. The lair yeah. is where the minions sleep. Yeah, but, like, I, I didn't, I didn't do much, like, specialized stuff outside of having a foundry um, and having an archive. Oh, I should I mean, also mention, if it seems complicated to keep track of the number of different creatures that you can summon, you can also convert enemy creatures, which means when you're fighting heroes, yeah. you also have all of the hero types, which there are at least as many heroes as there are minions um, that can be in your dungeon because you've converted them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's a thing. I just, like, sometimes I was, like, building like an alchemy lab just because I, I didn't have an alchemy lab and I didn't have anything to do. <laughs> I was like, sort of I guess I around. build this. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. There were, there were definitely times where I'm like waiting for my army to sort of build up and and uh, waiting for everybody to be like healed and ready for another attack. Um Beasts, getting a lot of beasts uh, at high level was a good one. Um, also, I had a, a pretty good um, prison to torture chamber like uh, factory going on to just generate more minions by via torture. Yeah, that and was that fun. And that seemed pretty effective. I did that. I didn't do that every time, but I did that a few times, and it was pretty nice to do. And then if you have a prison, you can just, like, you could sacrifice prisoners for gold which is always helpful mm-hmm. I just I just I love that it that there's a separate model for the gold <laughs> statues and you can just like you can just place them around your around your dungeon you like decorate can, your dungeon can yeah, you? you can like pick it up and just drop it on a spot like I mean usually it's it's you know the point is to put it in your vault <laughs> but yeah you can just like pick it up and move it it's, it's fun. Yeah. I think I think also eventually like your minions will get to it and, and break it down and put it in your put it in your vault automatically, but you know, yeah. whatever. It's fine. Yeah, they'll they'll harv they'll harvest it apart into gold yeah. sooner or later. Yeah. Because it's not it's not an infinite source. But but they do there are some infinite sources of gold and I they're surprisingly generous with them in the single player campaign. Like most levels have one. Um, yeah. There are only a few that don't. Yeah, and once you got one, you got the infinite amount of gold. Yeah, and it's not you get hard so to... much gold from them. Yeah, yeah. you because you can you don't have to ever stop mining, and especially if you either build, um, build a treasure chamber like right around it, or put in one of those little wormholes so that your workers don't have to travel. Like you can get a ton of gold mm-hmm. really quickly. Yeah, the... So you're not generally very resource starved, at least in, in single player. Yeah, the economy felt like that's that's the thing that I I was surprised that I didn't struggle with was like the economy in the game. Um, <laughs> you know, once once you've built up your initial rooms, usually you you're kind of hurting for money, but then you just go out and mine and you're fine again. And, like, I found myself being like, shit, I gotta build more vaults, like, all the time. Like, yeah. what do I do I with all this, all gold? this gold? I'm getting. What a, what a terrible problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And there's not that many things to spend it on. Like, you can spend it on defenses, but, like, 
eventually you, you don't really need more traps. Um, and, you know, you can spend it on potions, I guess? Yeah, I guess. But like, do, the, potion, yeah. do potions cost gold to make? I I'm think not, they do. I, uh, that sounds right. I don't... <laughs> I don't. I think it's, so. it's so hard to remember. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe. I I used some potions, but I never had lack of gold. Yeah. Yeah, and I like it doesn't cost. It costs gold to make defenses, but only like the initial cost. Then to like after that to maintain them, it's mostly just mana. Mm-hmm. So. And they like they don't cost that much as an upfront thing. Um, and in multiplayer, uh, when I was um, starved for economy, basically what I did was just have a ritual chamber and constantly have uh, that one going that converts your mana into gold. And as long as I was pretty con- consistently doing that, I wasn't really hurting for gold at any point. Yeah. So even in multiplayer, like, resource starvation is not as huge a thing. Yeah, I never played any multiplayer, but that's, I mean, you know. Yeah, part of the reason I got this game in the first place was because, um, like, Huck was very excited about yeah. it. Because we play a lot of Dungeon Keeper, and he's like, I really want someone to play, like, comp stomps with me, so we can, like, go beat up some AIs. And I'm like, alright, alright. Yeah, I guess. I might as well, yeah. Yeah. So And again, for what it's worth, you know, this brought back like all the nostalgia feels for me <laughs> in terms of like, oh hey, it's it's just Dungeon Keeper. Yeah. It's like I mean, Dungeon Keeper but more. Yeah, like I didn't I didn't even play that much Dungeon Keeper and I started it up and I'm like, Yeah, this is this is that. Good job. You did it. <laughs> like, you did the thing. Congratulations. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's just Dungeon Keeper with like Five extra mechanics that I never used. Only five. Only five. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. dungeon, again, remember, Dungeon Keeper also had a lot of mechanics. That is true. Like, this is this is a worse iteration of that problem, but it's not like Dungeon Keeper didn't already have that problem. Yeah. And it's not like, like... there was a there was a like a sacrifice pool in Dungeon Keeper that like you had to build an enormous room to support it and then you had to figure out what were good things to sacrifice through trial and error and like best case scenario it gave you like some slightly better minions um, yeah. <laughs> than the ones you'd sacrificed like, and well, so it's you know the fact that they just like made that a sub feature of the sanctuary room is like probably a, ste- a good step yeah and that's one thing I will say for all of the mechanics. There are so many mechanics, and a lot of them you can just ignore. Like, you're not gonna be fucked if you don't master the spirit room or whatever. You know, yeah. you're not gonna be totally screwed if you don't master alchemy, like, and you don't learn how to utilize alchemy effectively on every map. You know, a lot of it's just like, okay, that's there, if I wanna if I wanna dink with it, but... You only need yeah. to know how to make beasts. Yeah. 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 Maybe... Who knows? Maybe there's a like a, a really effective strategy without beasts that like, but you I have mean, to like be an expert is. in in a couple other mechanics. I think it's it's maybe it's it's trying to be a game where you like pick two or three things that you decide to specialize in 
that you feel like comfortable with and then you just do those things and ignore everything else yeah. i mean there's too much shit to to like want to learn everything so you just, you just go with what you'd know yeah that's... and again it's it's not like they try and teach you it because at a certain point in the single player campaign they just give up on the tutorials yeah. and that's... they're like fuck it figure it out yourself and that's what, you know, it's like, I'll complain about uh, all the mechanics as well, be- just because it it makes your UI impossible. <laughs> Not impossible, yeah. but it makes your UI just extremely overwhelming. But I, I, I appreciate that it, it really opens you up to a lot of different play styles, um, you know, for people who aren't me, like I, like I already said. You know, I appreciate it for the sake of other people who who maybe want to experiment with with less standard play styles um with maybe more more rewarding um i don't know conclusions i i've yeah i i couldn't figure out how to end that sentence but i think yeah no i I think it came across i think it came across right yeah so you you master you master like you, you, you feel joy from mastering some subset of the mechanics and maybe it's not the same set for everybody yeah and maybe some people can master like a larger subset than others, but yeah. And one nice thing that they do with the UI, which I think was like entirely necessary, is that at least if you don't have a room of a specific type, they like don't give you that sub menu. Yeah. So like until you build a rituals chamber, you don't have the rituals menu on the screen. Yeah. And until you build the alchemy lab, you don't have the potions menu on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um. So they at least like pare it down a little bit that way so you're not like in danger of accidentally clicking on a button that has like literally no relevance to you yeah exactly so that yeah that is that is true i forgot about that and it's it's nice it's nice of them to have done that all right so um mostly unrelated question um although still about the game uh did either of you like finish the single player campaign i did not no. Okay, so uh, I, su- I I'm guessing you don't care about spoilers for the ending. Oh no, the story no. story in these games like barely even counts. <laughs> I yeah. feel like it's just kind of an excuse to give you more dungeon objectives. So yeah, spoil away. Yeah, no. So the ending the ending is real dumb. Um, and like actually made me kind of angry. Um. So the whole thing is that, like, you are, um, you know, you're being driven by this voice who keeps telling you, to, like, about all this shit. Like, he, he raised you from this, like, um, sort of, like, subconscious morass of darkness into consciousness so that yeah. you could, like, take over the, the underworld and uh, defeat, like, these, these overlords. Um, like, because there's this family of nobles that are just, like, real real self-righteous and he's like we're gonna take them down and he's it's, sort of it's kind of like it's kind of like all of the enemies in overlord where you have to yeah. fight off all these nobles but they're actually really corrupt <laughs> yeah huh. um so so you're doing that the whole game um there's some other uh there's some other keepers that you run into and have to subdue uh and you you get this like super powerful artifact called the kinos and you like do a final assault on the um, enemy's like stronghold, and you get the uh, the like corrupt 
um, nobleman cornered. And then the, like, dar- voice that's been badgering you the entire time uh, betrays you like everybody in the game told you he would. Uh, yep. And, like, he teleports the hero guy uh, back to your home dungeon. So if you have actually been building in your little sim sandbox playground, he, like, appears in your sim sandbox playground and, like, destroys the fuck out of your rooms on in his march to the uh, to your dungeon heart and then just destroys your dungeon heart. And the idea is that, like, the darkness then, like, uh, jumps into him instead of you and is, like, corrupting this guy into, like, the new mad king of the underworld. Great. And so you just die. You just get sent back to the like the weird subconscious darkness realm. Oh yeah, the the ether or whatever they call it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm hmm. like, that's that's a stupid ending. Like, like I get that we're supposed to be the bad guy and all that, but like, you essentially like the ending is you lose. There's nothing you can do about it. Haha. I'm like, yeah. that's not satisfying at all. No, you want to rule the underlord. Yeah, right? Like, you want to be an all-powerful, badass, evil underlord. Yeah, like, like, even even if you are evil, you're still the protagonist of your own game. Mm -hmm. So why not, why not let, why not let the protagonist get what he wants? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's, that is stupid. Although not- Also, again, isn't this, like, exactly what happens in Overlord? Yes, you, you don't die, but something like that? don't remember. I, I don't think I ever made it to the end of when we were playing Overlord. Neither did I. Um, let me... You get betrayed by, like, the bad guy, I think. Hmm. Let's... Wait, this isn't... This is not the Overlord. This is, like, an anime called Overlord. Wow. That's not what I, that's not what I was looking and for. And we're back to anime. Yeah. <laughs> no. That's not what I was Googling at all. Uh, Overlord. Plot. Uh... Oh, there, there was, there was a previous overlord who possesses the wizard. Um, okay, so you, you go, you go battle the old overlord, and no, I guess, I guess you still, I guess you still like win. You just, you just have to go fight uh, your your predecessor who you thought was dead. I see. Perhaps I'm looking. I'm. I just like read it on Wikipedia, and that's yeah, what it sounds say, according, like. So. According to the wiki, yeah, not even the wiki, just just Wikipedia. Like it's not even the specific Overlord Wikipedia or the specific Overlord wiki. So it's it's probably extremely yeah. extremely vague, but that's fine. That's what. Yeah. That's all I needed to know. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it seems like if you're going to be making a game where your protagonist is evil, like embrace that and you know make it have an ending where like the evil evil triumphs and like not that you know some evil that's not you triumphs like you're still the main character yeah you should you should triumph in the end that's the point of playing a game yeah to feel like you win not to have it arbitrarily taken away from you in a cutscene exactly that's end. that's the worst part that you can't even do anything about it yeah it's get your stop moralizing at me game yeah just let me be I, the bad. I thought, uh, I, I, part of me would, would, uh, like, wants it to be, and I guess if it were the case 
that if you had prepared your home dungeon enough, there was a chance that you could stop the guy and, like, actually, like, turn the tables and take the underworld back from the guy who betrayed you. Um, I would be all for that, actually, because that would be a really, like, unexpected twist that um, you had to actually do the sim part of the game, the, like, fun, relaxing sim part of the game in order to, like, get the, the best ending. Yeah. Um, I would be okay with that, I think. But maybe I would it wouldn't be, be like, so pissed. Yeah, okay, you'd be pissed at first, but if it was something where you could just, like, go back, build up your pet dungeon, and then play that one last level again, and get the, the get the good ending, like, that'd yeah. be okay, yeah, right? Yeah, it wouldn't maybe. be a whole ton of rework. Also, also, it would, it would make narrative sense for the narrator to be talking shit at you while you're, while you're in your home dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> Incidentally, you can go back uh, to the home dungeon after you've beaten the campaign, and then the uh, then the voice is just like really confused about why you're not dead. He's like, "Wait, did didn't didn't we destroy you? Uh, like, you know, hey, no hard feelings about you know what happened." It's like, "Are you sure this is real? Maybe this is all just a dream, and you're like not actually here." That's funny. He just gets like snarky and existential at you, which is odd. That's that's a cute touch, I guess at least. I like those sort of like unnecessary, uh. unnecessary little flavor text things. Like I saw, as, this is only tangentially related, but I saw a post about how in uh, in the new Zelda, if you stand on tables and talk to people, they get really annoyed, and it's like across the entire game, like all <laughs> characters get mad at you if you talk to them from on top of a table. It's and they give you like special dialogue about it, like. Ah, I, I like that kind of stuff that is completely pointless, but sort of, you know, it's and I cute. Think there's, there's like one thing in there that like if you if you stand on a bridge at one point, like on the on the railing of a bridge, like some guy uh, thinks you're gonna jump and yeah, like come guy. try and talk yeah. you down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I do want to play Breath of the Wild really bad, but I don't have a Switch and I don't have a Wii U, so that's yeah, fine. Same here. Yeah, I thought about. I thought about picking up a Wii U for cheap, but it's still more money than I'd want to spend for one game. So, yeah. 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 I'm just hoping that there will be good games coming yeah. sometime. I, yeah. I mean, new, now now we're just talking about Nintendo. That's fine. Um, I mean, a new Mario Kart seems to be pretty well received. And, I don't know. Yeah. God, that was coming out. I don't, uh, you know, I don't play a lot of co-op or competitive stuff, but, you know, Mario Kart games are always fun. Yeah. Also, Grand Theft Mario coming soon. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I, I don't know what that's referenced to. I'm assuming you're talking about Mario, the, like, Mario Odyssey, where he's just Odyssey, Mario. Odyssey, it's called, yeah. Yeah, which is Mario, but with people, like, real people for no reason. Oh. And oh. you're in a city. I, I do now that you say, now that you say that I do remember seeing screenshots of something like that. Yeah, that's that sounds. I'm not. All right, uh, it it's... looks so good. So the thing about it is, like that's that's what they have shown the most footage of is the city where it's just Mario with like normal human people. But what it looks like is that there are many different worlds, and that's just one of them. I so so I would be I would be not super stoked on that if that was like the only thing but it looks like there's a lot of other stuff and apparently apparently i saw a post about how that's a carryover 
from like scrapped designs from uh, Super Mario Sunshine. Where in like I mean, early, it looks like sunshine. Yeah, and there was like early, early footage that I think was in a trailer, and it didn't. You know, it was like alpha footage that was in a trailer and didn't make it into the game. But there's Mario, and there are people walking around, and they're just normal people in the sunshine trailer. So that's hmm. like interesting that they that they sort of resuscitated that idea. But you know, cool. Anyway, this has been the Mario, the Mario <laughs> quest. <laughs> yeah, no. Right. Any, yeah, anything else the, about War for, uh, War for the Overworld? I feel like we we sort of covered like what the what the major issue is for it. I I enjoy. I really love conceptually the idea of an RTS that is largely sim based because they're like such like similar and yet entirely unrelated genres that it's really cool to see a mashup of the two of them. And I think that's what I sort of always loved about this game, is it gives my, you know, that that's the thing I like about RTSs mostly in the first place, base building. Yeah. And so this is like taking base building to the logical extreme of it being basically a sim. Yeah, and I can only say that I really wish or looking forward to a game like this, like a really tight game. <laughs> yeah. Something that doesn't have a billion mechanics. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah, that's, I mean, I don't like RTSs, and that's, like, my real barrier to really liking this game, because I love the premise, I love the idea, like, if if this was just a sim game, and I'm sure there is a sim game like this, with, like, the same ideas that doesn't include the RTS stuff, I would be all on board, I'm just, like, I'm not aggressive enough for RTSs, which I also, which also was an issue for me when we played Impossible Creatures. Like yeah. I would just I would just like turtle up in my base and then like not not know what to do when someone actually attacked me, you know? So yeah, that's enough. fine. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think you know, it, I think it does what it wants to do. It it's it's just like it's just Dungeon Keeper. And that's all it wanted yeah. to be, you know? And it does yeah, it really it's well. Dungeon Keeper, but but more of that. Exactly, yeah. So more of the good, more of the bad. And I think it's um it it felt it feels very cathartic in a certain way like it was clearly like the designers had all these ideas that they were sitting on for like years and then they just got a chance to put all of it in the in a game <laughs> and so they put all of it in the game yep it's like right. wouldn't it be great if we had blank in dungeon keeper and they never said no to any of those yeah <laughs> yeah which I mean, I guess, I guess if it's like kickstarted, mm-hmm. it's it's you're not you're not under under anyone's thumb really, except for like your yeah. backers, and your backers. If your backers just want more dungeon keeper, then fucking give them all the dungeon keeper they can handle. Yep. <laughs> so, Which is in fact what they did. Yeah. So not my cup of tea, but I can't I can't say that I you know dislike it at all. All right, so you want to uh, introduce our next game, then? All right, I will introduce our next game. Um, our next game is called Maze, spelled like the corn, M-A-I-Z-E. Um, it's it's a first-person sort of point-and-click-esque, sort of puzzly-esque, uh, but mostly, mostly just a very narrative-focused game um, revolving around the mystery of the sentient corn at this mysterious farm that you've just woken up on. Um, 
I don't really want to say a whole lot more than that because, like I said, it's extremely narrative focused. Uh, and the narrative is. I've, I've already played it. I played it a couple weeks ago because uh, it was on sale and someone sent me a link to it and was like, this seems like something you would like. So I, I bought it and played it and I liked it. Um, let's see, I should probably say who made it. Uh, it was developed by Finish Line Games, came out at the end of December, or the beginning of last December. Um, yeah, just sort of a nice puzzle mystery comedy thing. Yes, the trailers have a Russian-speaking um, animatronic bear, mm-hmm. or Russian a- Russian-accented animatronic bear. Um, and, so that's and, an interesting and, thing. And uh, talking talking stalks of corn. Yep. <laughs> it yeah. looks amazing. It's it's a it's fun. It's it's got a pretty intense sense of humor that might not be everyone's cup of tea, but it, it does it does a lot of cool characterization stuff that I really enjoyed. So I'm I'm generally up for something weird. Yeah. So. And it's so. it's not too long. It's like maybe a, a five hour game if you're slow like me. So Alright. Sounds good. Yeah. Maze. It's on Steam. I'll it'll be linked in the post. It'll be linked on Twitter. That's about it. Uh I guess we can you wanna wait should we do plugs? Plugs now? Yeah. All right. Plugs. Yes. Hello. I'm Kelso. Uh, at Kelso Time Bomb on Twitter. I do this podcast. That's me. Um, I am at Kyla underscore Go on Twitter. Uh, I do a regular Sunday morning stream, um, 10 a.m. Pacific, uh, where we stream like really long games that are. You know, old classics that I haven't played yet. Um, We are currently playing Wind Waker. um, And I'm guessing we've got probably like another couple of weekends on that at least. Um, We're getting, I'm told we're getting somewhat close to the end though. So, you know, as as was said to me on Twitter, you should have a new game by December. So. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So, you know, we're working on it. We're working on it. It's good. I'm enjoying Wind Waker. Nice. Any thought as to what your next game will be, or is it too soon? Um, I guess probably, December's I'll far away. Put up another, <laughs> I'll probably put up another poll. It's probably not going to be December. It's yeah, probably going to be another two or three weeks. Um, I'll probably put up a poll, but my, my current thoughts are either um, Longest Journey or Chrono Cross. Good choices. Both are really long games. Yeah. Both are really long yeah. games. That they, are, yeah. they fit your criteria perfectly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, <laughs> more of that. Cool. And Skug? Yeah, I'm at Skug3 on Twitters. And I can also plug the student game I'm working on. It's Ooh. called By the Rock. And you can follow the Twitter at By the Rock Game. Check it out. Right now. I'm typing it in at this exact moment. Boom, followed. Okay, good. <laughs> All right, sounds cool. good. Awesome. All right, well, that that has been the podcast. Uh, we will be talking about Maze next time, and we will see you all then. All right, two weeks. Play yep. the game. Yep. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Hey. Bye. Bye.